0: hello friends welcome to the living truth podcast this is your host michael carey and our guest today is dr mark Verkler. Uh, mark has been on for a couple of episodes in the past so um, welcome back mark he is the founder of communion with god ministries president of christian leadership university author of over 50 books and a sought-after speaker. He has uh, given conferences all around the globe. So thanks so much for coming back on the show again, Mark.
1: Michael, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: The book that we're going to focus on today is called Prayers That Heal the Heart. But I want to open by asking you about Chapter 2. In Chapter 2, you discuss what a healed heart looks like. And so could you explain that? And how do we know that we're in need of healing?
1: Okay, that's a good place to start. First um, Corinthians thirteen thirteen says, "Now abide these three: faith, hope, and love." And uh, I'm going to consider that a healed heart. The things that Jesus said abide, which means you're going to go into eternity. Um, faith, hope, and love. And so, if I can look at every area of my life and feel faith, feel hope, and feel love, then I would say it's healed. If I look at those areas and feel uh fear and doubt like i look at my finances and say man i don't have faith that i'm gonna make it you know i my faith is that i'm going bankrupt you know or that i don't have enough well that's faith but it's faith in the power of satan and it's faith in a lie which is opposed to biblical truth so so when i say faith obviously i mean faith instilled by god birthed in god's word given by god's spirit empowered by god's spirit so when you look at your marriage, do you, have, do you have faith? It's going to be a great over-the-top marriage. You're going to fulfill your wife. She's going to fulfill you. Or, or do you have fear and doubt, like this is not going to work? Or, or do you have hopelessness? Do you have hope you know, that we're going to go into the future in our golden years and have great, great golden years? Or do you feel hopeless? <clears throat> like, you know, I, I can never make her happy. She can never make me happy. So uh, unhealed heart, obviously, is the opposite of a healed heart. So hopelessness is unhealed. Hope is healed um and faith hope and love so you know do i love myself do i love my spouse do i love my kids do i do i love my enemies you know or do am i full of anger so so if i've got any any opposite of faith hope and love, love i have an unhealed heart and if i have an opposite in any area then my heart is unhealed in that area and the areas will include personal interpersonal relationships <coughs> excuse me Interpersonal relationships, family relationships, um, business, finance, money, health, ministry, government. Um, You know, if I can look at any area of my life and not feel faith, hope, and love, then that's an area that needs, that needs, we need to apply the seven prayers to heal the heart to that area so that that area can be healed.
0: Mm. Yeah. And you, so you mentioned, um, so having faith in, uh we we think of doubt you know and and um, focusing on that word when we have doubt that things are going to work out it's actually faith uh i think you mentioned <laughs> this in the book faith activating in reverse isn't it i mean we yeah, actually absolutely. pour we pour into uh and is there like it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy isn't it
1: oh it absolutely actually is you know and it's you know it's an evil imagination the bible says in the old testament if you have an evil imagination which it, which my imagination is, that God is not going to provide my, my needs or my spouse cannot provide my needs. And, and I have faith to believe that, that God will not meet me. I have faith to believe my wife will not meet me. I have faith to believe that um, righteousness doesn't rule, that wickedness rules. So, so that's faith in reverse. According to your faith be done to you. So if I'm going to believe for destruction that I'm, I'm going to send out a wave, a, a, a spirit – way from my heart to your heart, telling you, I'm believing for for this horrible negative thing to happen. I'm believing for you to reject me. And your spirit hears that and says, Oh, this guy is is telling me to reject him. I can feel it, you know, in the spirit world. So I think I'll reject it. Reject him. So so yeah, whatever your, your faith is set for, you are building that reality and you are creating that reality. Jesus was very clear, according to your faith be it unto you. If you're going to believe for something negative, then you're going to get something negative. And if you're going to believe for something positive that God has said is yours and told you in his word is yours, told you by his voice that it's yours, I mean, at that point, you, you either say, yes, Lord, and, and you step into the supernatural, <clears throat> or you say, no, God, that, that can't happen, you know, because, I mean, look at, look at me, you know. I mean, the Lord told me 40 years ago, he said, Mark, we're going to saturate the world with the message of communion with God, because he just taught me, how to commune with God, how to hear his voice. And I'm pastoring a church of 100 people in an unknown little city called Arcade, New York. And and either I say yes, Lord, to that, or I say, no, no, I don't don't think so, because nobody knows Mark Bergler, nobody knows Arcade, New York. Uh, Plus, I'm not the smartest cookie in the world, you know. So so I either get a chance to say yes, Lord, to the impossible dreams that he speaks to me and to you, and he did all through Scripture. He, he spoke things way beyond people's abilities. Said to Moses, "I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have you use you to lead two million people." And Moses said, oh, "I don't think so." <laughs> <And> <laughs> right. God says, "Why not?" And Moses said, well, could I can't, I can't talk." God said, "That's not a problem. I can talk, you know." And Moses said, "Yeah, but you don't understand. I can't talk." God said, "You don't understand. I can talk." And um, you know, so who wins the debate? Moses wins the debate. God is angry because Moses is slapping God in the face, saying. You are not almighty God. You don't have the might to anoint me to be a leader. I am too, too inept. And that's a direct slap in God's face. <clears throat> so God's angry and God said, guess what? I'll, I'll give you Aaron to be your mouthpiece. But you know what? If you would have believed me, you could have spoken. And so we all get a chance to either make God mad at us uh, and forfeit our destiny or to say, yes, Lord, and step into the supernatural and become world changers. In, Every single area. So, my recommendation is to say yes, Lord, to what He's saying to you, to believe His promises in the Word, and to believe His promises by the Spirit, and to incubate them, picture them, ponder them, speak them, act them, and walk in the water. You know, instead of just prophesying gloom and doom over over the world and over your marriage and over your life, and and every, and telling God why He can't choose you to be anything worth anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely that's that's fantastic and that there's so many other stories too like like abraham and um uh the uh all of the blessing that god said that he was going to bring to people's lives and you know i guess abraham is the story of where he he also doubted and he decided to take things into his own hands and it's uh it doesn't work out well when we do that so much but no
1: uh, it's 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 not like, you know, if I come up with my own idea that's, that's, that's halfway decent, because his own whole idea created Ishmael. You know, I mean, they bore a son that could bear a seed line, but <clears throat> it wasn't God's plan. And God simply said, well, I'm not going to do that because I didn't tell you to, to go into your handmaid. And you say, well, you know, don't tell me my brain and my ideas are that bad. Well, they are because we've got a, what, several thousand year old war between the Arabs and the Israelites. It still hasn't ended. So man's idea for how to pull this off created a several thousand year old war. so. I don't want mm-hmm. my ideas on anything. I don't want your ideas on anything because all they do is going to create a lot of pain in my life. So
0: I'm just going mm-hmm. to journal
1: every day and say, Lord, what are we doing today? And what are you calling me into and say, yes, Lord, and go do that. I get the chance to be part of the supernatural kingdom of God. And so do you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was just thinking so many of these, um, so, some of these points, um, I want to tell the listeners, if you are joining us for the first time or did not get a chance to listen to the first two episodes that um, uh, we did with Mark, he uh, explains uh, the communion with God and uh, two-way journaling process and um, the four keys to hearing the voice of God. And then uh, there's another podcast on um, getting counsel. From God, counseled by God. So, a lot of these concepts, too, uh, we review a little bit more in depth in those two books that uh, Mark wrote are fam- just fantastic, incredible. So, um, yeah, I wanted to ask you also about the, um, the healing of the heart in the book you talk about the language of the heart and, you know, if you're going to heal the heart, you need to operate on that level of the language of the heart speaking in, in ways that are intellectual or not profitable, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like if I was speaking French to an English speaking person, they're going to not understand a thing I say and they can't respond to it. And the same with my heart. If, if I issue a command to my heart and say, stop fearing." stop being angry, you know, my heart doesn't understand those words, okay, because because that's cognitive language, and my heart speaks the language of pictures, visions, dreams, flow, out of your innermost being shall flow, emotions, God sent Ezekiel embittered in the rage of his spirit, love, joy, peace, those are fruits of the spirit, um, which is, deep within your being, maybe somewheres within your heart, I suppose, would be the, maybe the best way to picture that. <clears throat> so, so the language of the heart is not cognitive reasoning and giving orders. Um, so it's primarily, big, two big things, biggest thing for me is pictures. You know, what in the world am I picturing? Um, you know, I, I was always for many years, 15 years, a mighty man of fear, I was afraid of everything, including my shadow and my government and my inability to create finance and my inability to succeed. You know, just fear ruled in my life. And so I went to word of faith church and and they taught faith for 50 weeks out of the year. And uh, they taught me to confess, you know, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, that's a cognitive command. I am the righteousness. I'm saying words of faith. But I'm not picturing that what, what I was picturing was instead of picturing me as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which means I would picture myself with a robe of righteousness, which I put on, which is his righteousness, which I put on by faith and I walk that way. So I could, I could see that picture. If I saw that picture, I would um, feel righteous and I would feel confident, but that's not the picture I was seeing. I was picturing myself as an evil, miserable, low down sinner. That's called an evil imagination because that imagination, that picture I'm holding on myself, does not line up with the word of God. Because the word of God says I'm clothed with Christ Jesus, put on a a garment of his garment. So I'm picturing an evil imagination. And the Bible says if I'm going to hold an evil imagination, I'm going backward, not forward. Clearly says backward, not forward. So backward in this case is into fear and degradation, into a unbelief, like there's no way I could possibly, you know, be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because look at, look at the picture I'm holding. So, you know, we say a picture's worth a thousand words, and that is biblically true. And if that is true, and the reason it's biblically true is God gave Abraham a picture of the promise fulfilled. Genesis 12 is the promise. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Genesis 15 is the picture. In a dream, he says, see the millions of stars? You're going to have that many kids. As soon as he sees a picture, it says then Abram believed. So faith to believe was inflamed when he saw a picture of the promise fulfilled. So I say, God, give me a picture of what my marriage looks like when I totally fulfill and satisfy Patty and she totally fulfills and satisfies me. And he gives me a picture of that. And if I gaze at that picture, it inflames faith that that reality can become mine. And and not can become, it actually is. Okay, because whatever you see Here's what the Lord said of my journey. He said, Mark, whatever you fix your eyes on grows within you. Whatever grows within you, you become. So if I see that reality and gaze at it and dwell on things which are lovely, just, good, and pure, then then I'm going to become that which I'm looking at. So pictures, you know, you need to absolutely absolutely be 100% aware of what you're picturing. And if you're picturing anything ungodly, anything that does not line up with the word of God, and what God has spoken in the Bible about you, or what God has spoken by his voice into your heart, you're picturing something contrary to that. It is an evil imagination, and it needs to be repented of, repudiated, removed, and then ask God, hey, God, you know what, how do you picture me? <laughs> you picture me as a loser? Do you picture me as a low-down sinner? Do um, you picture me as evil and corrupt, and miserable, and broke, and, you know, and sickly, and, and an underdog? How about a grasshopper? I'll take a, you know, We became grasshoppers in their sight. That's what the 10 spies said. You know, they're picturing themselves as grasshoppers in light of the opposition. That's a horrendous picture. That's not a picture of an overcomer, of the person that disciples all nations. You say, well, I can't picture good stuff because I'm too busy picturing the Antichrist, you know, and to take over the world by evil. Just like the 10 spies, they were picturing that evil was so much more powerful. I say, well, that's a hellish, demonic, unbiblical, ungodly picture. Stop it. It doesn't build faith, it doesn't build hope, it doesn't build love. It builds faith in the power of Satan to overcome you and the world. The fact that the church is content and teaches people to picture such corruption is demonic, demonic on every level. So you need to be aware of your pictures. Everything, you know, that's the primary thing for me is what am I picturing? And then flow, you know, tune to flow and say, Lord, what are you saying? So those would be the two biggies.
0: <clears throat> yes. So pictures are worth a thousand words and the language of the heart. Definitely. Uh, one of the, one of the main things is pictures and pictures. Um, I think our emotions get attached to pictures, <clears throat> what we see as well. And, and uh, yeah, there's so much depth in, in all of that.
1: Well, that, that's a really good point, you know, because emotions are byproducts of pictures. Um, whatever I'm picturing, it produces an emotional response. If I'm picturing mm-hmm. that I can't succeed, then I have emotions of fear and failure. If I'm picturing I can walk in the water, then I've got emotions of faith and power and confidence and strength. Uh, so so you, I never deal with my emotions directly. Whenever my emotions show up and they're cruddy, I always ask, what cruddy picture am I looking at that's unbiblical, that's an evil imagination? Let's mm-hmm. clean it up. Let's ask Jesus for a replacement picture. He'll give it to me. I'll throw out the cruddy picture and replace it with a good one. And my bad emotions are going to go out the window and automatically be replaced by good emotions. So I never deal directly with emotions ever because they're byproducts of, of another sin, which mm-hmm. is what are you you're picturing something that's unbiblical? I have an ungodly imagination. That, that's mm. where I get ungodly picture,
0: uh, emotions <clears throat> mm. yeah that's an interesting point point. and um yeah i just uh recalled in in um one of your books uh forgive me i don't remember which one i've read so many of your books now i'm going remember It's probably you probably say it is in several books but uh several of them but you mentioned um i think it was uh when jesus raised lazarus right from the dead he says you 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 pointed out that jesus it says he was moved by compassion Yeah. to, mm-hmm. um, it, it, was that the right event too? Did I get that right? Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. 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 Jesus moved by compassion, healed, you know, Matthew 13, 13. So all of his healing was flowed from compassion and, and all of his emotions flowed from, from, from this verse. He said, I only do those things, which I see my father doing and hear my father speaking. So since he's seen in the spirit realm, good pictures, He's got kingdom emotions. And one kingdom emotion is compassion. Another one is joy. Another one is peace. Kingdom of God is joy and peace. Another one is gratitude. Another one is thankfulness and, and everything be, if, give thanks. So those are all kingdom emotions, which I live in. If I'm looking at kingdom pictures, visions in my mind that were came from flow because I asked the Lord to show me how he sees it. I mean, I one of the pictures that I share often is well yeah let's do you want a story you want to go on another question either way it's fine
0: (laughs) oh go ahead yeah that's fine
1: well i was i was picturing our government as very evil and very corrupt and corrupt politicians and and it made me angry and it made me fearful which of course Mm -hmm. are not true to the spirit and i know that, that, that that's wrong so So in my morning devotions, I just said, Lord, would you give me your picture of the government? Because my picture is it's a bunch of corrupt thieves down there in Washington just wrecking the nation, you know, and destroying Mm. my future financial well-being because they spend trillions of bucks they don't have, you know. So I'm angry at them and I'm full of fear. And uh, so in my morning devotions, I looked for a picture and a picture comes drifting into my mind, spontaneous flow because out of your innermost being flow. So I'm tuned to the spirit, a flowing picture is a vision from God. And the flowing picture that lights up on my mind is Jesus enthroned above Congress uh, on a throne, long flowing white robes flowing down over Congress in the White House. Um, his glory is flowing down over the Congress in the White House. And the flowing words that come to me, which are his voice, of course, are I rule in Washington, D.C. Well, of course, I, I know that. I just forgot it. You know, I, I mean, the most <laughs> high rules the realm of mankind. And he places over whoever he wants. Daniel says this over and over and over. So we know but that's biblical truth. And so, and I wasn't believing that I was believing a lie, you know, that the antichrist rule, well, antichrist doesn't have any authority because all authority was given to Jesus when he was resurrected and he gave it all to us. So we have all the power. Satan and the antichrist has none of it unless I choose to give it back to him and empower him through my falsified faith in him which I'm not going to do because there's a very clear scripture that says, don't do that. It says of the increase of God's government, there shall be no end, which means Satan's government is going to decrease without end. So again, we're right back Mm -hmm. to pictures, you know, the language of your heart. I, I, you know, is the church picturing the kingdom growth of the kingdom of God and us discipling all nations? Are we picturing the antichrist ruling? And Satan's been very effective in giving us really demonic pictures to look at, so that we could grow in fear, doubt, and unbelief instead of faith, hope, and love. And we could be co-creators with him of the kingdom of darkness. And I don't care if that relates to your marriage or if it relates to your picture of your destiny or of the nation. It's all demonic evil. And it's mm. all to be repented of. And it's all to be renounced and rejected. And the only way out of darkness is to turn on the light. And the only way you turn on the light is you say, Jesus, <laughs> uh, show me what, how you see the situation. I mean, yeah. what your view is on it, that's light. Now you turn the light on and darkness disappears. So I never attack the darkness. I just turn the light on by two-way journaling and, and my darkness goes away and I'm back to faith, hope, and love and life is fantastic again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you remind me of a song that I heard the other day where um, the <laughs> lyric said something along the line like, uh, I've seen the battle from the victory. So um, guess what, Satan, we win anyway. So <laughs> exactly, the, the picture is uh, we, we win. So well, I wanted to ask you about the first of the, the prayers that you discuss, and it's called Breaking Generational Sin and Curses. So one thing I wanted to ask you about was, how do you think generational sin and curses would affect, uh, what kind of an effect do you think that would have on compulsive behavior like uh, compulsive masturbation, pornography, sexual addiction, and that. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. well, I think it's big. I, I mean, the Bible is really clear that the sins of the parents are passed on down to the third and fourth generation, and um, and so you know, if my parents were involved in immorality and adultery and sensuality and perversion, you know, they've picked up demons, obviously. And uh, when I'm in my mother's womb, she is everything that what's in my parents is being given to me. I mean, their full DNA, their everything, spirit, soul, and body, you know, and I'm a very much a reflection of them. I've got character traits of theirs. I got the spiritual traits of theirs. So they're, they're past, passing the demons right on down to me, you know? So I'm born with a, with a perversion of my spirit and a spirit of adultery within me, you know? And, and so I'm going to need to pray this prayer to Great generational sins and curses. So, so I, we always use pictures because we're going to pray a prayer that comes from your heart, trying to picture. So, I'm going to picture myself and I, I want to pray, I want to apply the grace to the point where the pain happened. So the point that I picked up this pain was as a baby in my mother's womb, a baby in my mother's womb. <clears throat> so, I'm going to picture myself as a little baby in my mother's womb. And I'm going to say, I forgive my parents because forgiveness is the foundation of everything. That's good. I forgive them. I release them. I honor them. I bless them. And I command all generational sins and curses that are flowing from them to me to halt at the cross of Christ. And I'm picturing the cross of Christ uh, between me and them. I command that generational sins and curses, which I see as a stream of energy, I command it to halt at the cross of Christ and fall to the ground powerless at the foot of the cross because the cross is where curses stop. Okay. And I release that baby in the womb the this generational sins and curses, and I release the blessings of Calvary down over you, and I bless you with life, I bless you with life, I bless you with life, just come alive, come alive, come alive, right, so, and, and I'm watching it, I'm, I'm looking, I'm tuned to flow, and I'm watching, <clears throat> and as I'm doing that now as I pray this, <clears throat> and I see that baby in the womb coming alive, life, just, ooh, just, just jumping with life, okay, so, we're always tuned to flow. We're always tuned to pictures. We're speaking what we're seeing. We're using biblical truth, okay? I mean, the curse halts of the cross. Using pictures in the prayer, tuned to flow. Uh, feeling the emotions that are part of what's going on in that baby's heart as it's getting freed from demonic attachments and becoming blessed for the blessings of Calvary. I mean, it's fascinating. It's fun, enjoyable, fascinating. And now I got a nice, clean foundation to start my life out. With. I'm no longer connected to the sins of the past because, we, because I applied my Christian faith to that particular point. And you say, well, isn't stuff automatic? No, nothing's automatic. <clears throat> the world isn't automatically saved just because Jesus died on the cross. Everybody's got to personally apply his death on the cross to their lives. And we have to do that with every single blessing that God says is ours. We have to personally say yes to it ask for it see it receive it and then we get to walk it it's kind of like the promised land god so they're giving you the promised land well it wasn't automatic they had to go after it individually and personally as a nation and get it and and we have to do the same thing mm-hmm. with all with all the blessings god's given to us
0: well yeah in the end they had to fight for the promised land and and then moses wasn't allowed to enter into it so um we can we can uh, turn that around and um Stop the blessing from flowing, too, can't we then?
1: <laughs> yeah, we can. And, and the reason they messed up was because they weren't listening to his voice. I mean, that's, I mean when Moses did stuff that God didn't tell him to do. And God said, look, I never told you to, to do that. And, <clears throat> and therefore, you're in sin. And therefore, you're not going to get the blessing. And, and when they fought wars and lost, you know, it's because there was sin in the camp. They had to root it out. And so, yeah, we've got to walk in obedience. We've got to say, yes, Lord, we've got to walk in obedience in order for the anointing and the blessing to flow and for us to fulfill our destiny. And,
0: hmm.
1: and if we don't, we're probably not going to fulfill our destiny. That's the picture there.
0: Hmm. Yeah, de- definitely far less than what God pictured when he created us. Huh? Yeah. So. You know, many of our listeners, um, have engaged in sexual sin themselves or have loved ones who have, and one of the prayers deals with soul ties. So could you discuss the idea of soul ties? And so why, why would they need to be broken? Do you think Mm -hmm. someone could possibly have a soul tie with pornography in addition to, um, a physical, you know, affair or whatever that might've taken Mm -hmm. place?
1: Yeah. Well, the, the idea of a soul tie is found with, in the Bible between David and Jonathan. It said the soul of <clears throat> David was knit to the soul of Jonathan. So knit, tied together, they were bosom buddies. They were very close friends. So whenever I, so a soul tie is anytime you've connected your heart and spirit to another person. Um, and soul ties appear anytime you have a bosom buddy, anytime you have a covenant relationship with a person, uh, like when you're married, you you're connected covenant but you're also connected with soul tie of friendship you know um and uh also soul ties are established uh, when in immorality you know when there's sexual intercourse to become one and so that's body soul and spirit they become one so so when you have a soul tie that means all the energy that's in one person gets transferred to the other so everything that was david's was now available to jonathan everything that was jonathan's was now available to david and we have a soul tie with God. We're also in a covenant with God. And everything that's God's is ours, and everything that's ours is God's. So, so it's I, I picture a soul tie as a wire between me and, and the person I have a soul tie with, and there's energy flow across that wire from them to me. And uh if it's a godly soul tie, which we surely want and hope for, then I'm passing spirit life to that person. Like with my wife, you know, we have a covenant relationship, we also have a friendship relationship, we're booze and buddies and and we have soul tie, you know, and we minister life back and forth. Where Patty's weak, I, I'm her strength. When I'm weak, she's my strength. And we minister the life of Christ back and forth. That's a godly soul tie. Now, in an ungodly soul tie, we're ministering evil back and forth. Let's say we get a group of people together for a coffee clutch. And we gossip for an hour about everybody. And we just spread poison and lies with our uh, and, and accusation uh, with our mouths. So that's a evil soul tie, you know, we're passing death back and forth, life and death in the power of the tongue, So in this case, death. Um, so, um, so yeah, anybody I've had a sexual relationship with, I have a soul tie with. <clears throat> so if I've had a sexual relationship outside of marriage, I want to take the sword of the spirit <clears throat> and I want to picture myself cutting that wire. And, and, and I say, I take the sword of the spirit. I take a sword of my hand. I'm picturing the whole thing because I'm using the language of my heart. And I say, I cut, I, I cut this tie. I cut it. I cut it. I cut it. And I swing my hand. I swing that knife. I look to watch that wire snap. If it's a big cable, I may take five or six cuts. Um, if it's a little thin wire, it might take one you know, or two cuts um, before it snaps, but I'm going to watch it snap. And then I speak what I see. I command that negative energy to fall to the ground. And I release that person from me and me from them and anything evil that was deposited within me through this ungodly soul tie. Lord, I ask that you circumcise my heart, that you cut that out, and that you give me a new heart and a new spirit, and you replace anything precious that was stolen from me. So I'm asking for heart surgery. He's big, He's a great heart surgeon. He'll do that. So I'm watching. You know, As I'm praying this, I'm seeing it. I'm watching it. I'm tuned to flow. And I'm watching it happen. So uh, so can I have a soul tie with just a fantasy? Of, relationship where i'm looking at pornographic magazines or videos or something like that and, and i'm and i'm joining my soul and spirit and in, in union with them I, yeah i think so um and I, so i think yes you should take the sort that you should pray that prayer for for who for anybody and everybody that you have a soul type so this one guy said well can i just do all these ladies i've had an immoral relationship with can i just do it as a group i said no one. i said you do it with every single one individual. You picture them and you say, I take the sword of the spirit. I cut that ungodly soul tie. I cut it. I cut it. I cut it. And he said, well, it's going to take a while. I said, well, fine. Said, being free is cool, man. You know, being took a while to get all messed up. If it takes you an hour or two in prayer or a day or two in prayer to, to sever yeah. 50 or 70 soul ties, do it. You know, and got yeah, soul mm-hmm. ties with people in pornography, sever that too. I mean, see it, cut it, feel the release. Pray the prayer, Lord, just remove anything evil that was deposited in my heart through this relationship and restore anything precious that was stolen from me. Just, I mean, you're asking for miracles. You're watching. You're seeing God do miracles. You're being transformed on the inside on a heart level. It's priceless. It's free counsel from the wonderful counselor available every minute of every day by just asking. So, so yes, Mm -hmm. do that.
0: Amen. Yeah, I think uh, before I read uh, prayers that heal the heart, I um, I thought when I thought of soul time, I mainly thought of like the negative aspect. But uh, I really like how you paint that picture. Uh, the original design that God had is um, with us and Him, and with us and our spouse, and uh, you know the healthy soul tie the the good the good pieces um that he put together and it makes total sense because we're eternal beings we're spiritual beings and so why wouldn't he create something you know it's not just a physical connection when we get married or whatever it is i put on my wedding band and you know i think of things mainly in the physical world but uh, of course it makes perfect sense he would create a spiritual bond and a tie mm-hmm. between us so so that's um yeah that that really helps me Uh, when I picture the, the positive side of it as well. And then of course, with the fall, you know, there's always a negative side of everything that, uh, that, that God created as good and we can distort it and twist it and mess it up.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of that too, in the marriage is learning that opposites attract. Okay. And that's why I'm married to Patty because she's the opposite of me. And that's why she's married to me. I'm the opposite of her, you know, (laughs) and I can honor those opposites or I can try to change her. Or I can scorn her and put her down because she's so emotional. You know, for heaven's sakes, please grow up and don't be so emotional. She's so sensitive. You know, I got I an alligator hide on, you know. And uh, if I can listen to her tone me down and tell me to be more sensitive and if she can listen to me, you know, and strengthen her in areas, we're a gift to each other. But, but if I'm going to be an authoritarian parent, you know, or husband and, and order her around and not Draw the gifts out from her that are the complement to me, and make me a well-rounded person if I honor them and pull them to myself. If I don't do that, then I've destroyed the marriage, the purpose of the marriage too, which was to fill each other's weakness, you know, and strengthen each other in the areas that were weak. That's why opposites attracted in the first place, you know. Um, that's why God sends out teams of two, a prophet and a teacher, because I got opposite giftedness and and when I'm, I'm a teacher, when I minister together, when I team up with a prophet, we try to cast demons out of a person. We get a whole lot more done. We try to heal the sick. We get a whole lot more done because the prophet is so gifted to be prophetic and to prophesy. And I'm so gifted to be organized and, and see the, the pieces that have to flow together to make the thing happen. Together, mm-hmm. we're just a fantastic team, much more effective than me working alone. So in mm-hmm. a marriage, that's what's supposed to be happening. Yeah. I don't know that I was ever taught that <laughs> when I'd be behind, before I got married. I had, I had no consciousness that that was what was supposed to be going on. You know, <laughs> and when I began to journal, God told me I was supposed to love my wife. I said, I will. When I fix her, he said, no, I did not tell you to fix her. She's fine the way I made her. You honor her and you love her the way I made her. And, and that was priceless for my marriage. <clears throat>
0: mm. Amen. So you stopped trying to get Patty to be Mark. Yeah.
1: I did. And she was so happy. She she said her marriage improved greatly when I learned how to hear God's voice because uh, she's very happy. I mean, and and we both fully acknowledge that we would neither one of us would be anywhere as close to where we are without each other. I mean, for heaven's sakes, I I wow together we run an international university that touches 129 nations, you know. There's yeah. no way I could have done that. There's no way she'd have ever done that. It's it's because of the compliment. They're complementary gifts within us that we've lent to each other that have allowed us to far succeed anything either one of us could have ever possibly dreamed was possible in our lives.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing when we um, tune into all the gifts that God has in store for us and we, uh, uh, we just um, live that out. Uh, In chapter eight of prayers Mm -hmm. that heal the heart, it's, So the chapter is called Traumatic Pictures, uh, Healed Through Inner Healing. So can you discuss uh, what all that's about?
1: Sure. I mean, the scene that I told you about Washington, D.C. was an inner healing scene. I think we would define inner healing as allowing God to replace the pictures in the art gallery of our mind, removing pictures that don't have Jesus in them, which, of course, are lies because Jesus is everywhere, he's Emmanuel, and replacing them with pictures that do have Jesus in them. And when I was first looking at Washington, D.C., I, all I could see was evil, corrupt politicians. I couldn't, I couldn't see Jesus. So I'm looking at a picture that contains a lie. And since pictures are worth a thousand words and pictures are heart, not head, I have a thousand times more capacity to destroy myself with fear, doubt, unbelief, anger, hatred, rage, which is exactly what I was doing. Okay? So um, So inner healing is defined as allowing God to replace the pictures. In the art gallery of our mind, removing pictures that don't have Jesus in them, replacing them with pictures that do. And um, we need to do that. Everybody needs to do that um, with all traumatic scenes, both big traumas and small traumas. Um, And uh, we all have a good dozen that we're going to want to work our way through in our prayer time. Um, I'll just share one. Um, This happened with a lady who was a pastor's Pastor in the church, I was one of thirteen pastors or twelve pastors. In I was teaching. We were videotaping the course on how to hear God's voice. Communion with God. We did a journaling session at the end for five minutes, and they were to interact with Jesus. Now, this lady had just had a, a, a within a month or so earlier a stillborn child. Pregnant, she lost the child in her womb. It was stillborn. Traumatized, she had a, so that's a pain, and she does. And it needs inner healing because she doesn't see Jesus in, in this picture at all. And uh, so in a quiet time of five minutes, Jesus' picture came and lights up on her mind, which is Jesus taking her to heaven. She goes with him to heaven. He takes her over to a bassinet. And uh, she looks down in it with Jesus. Little baby's there. She knows it's her baby. Jesus picks it up, hands it to her, lets her... Count his finger and toes, lets her nurse it, and lets her love it. After a period of time, she's, he says, okay, it's time to go back. And so she hands the baby back to Jesus and he puts it back in the bassinet. And, and she's back on earth. This all happened in five minutes at the close of a class time when she's sitting in the front row of the class that we're videotaping. So that's in her healing. And, and so he healed the wound of a death of a child that she'd never seen alive. Um, and the picture that she was looking at in her imagination was a dead fetus. Of course, that's not a true picture. That's a picture that doesn't contain Jesus, and it's not true to the word of God, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you're not dead. You're alive in the presence of God. So she just went from a lie, picturing a lie that was producing pain and agony and trauma, uh, to picturing the truth, which produces joy and ecstasy. And a biblical example of inner healing is when Peter denied she- jesus three times early morning around a charcoal fire burst and swore said so i never knew him went out and wept bitterly That's a deep pain deep trauma a picture that could completely wreck his ministry for the rest of his life because anytime he tries to ever preach another sermon and say you have to give your life for jesus the spontaneous flowing thought from a demon is going to be you didn't you had a chance to give your life for jesus and you swore and cursed and said you didn't know him so that could have totally ended his ministry so jesus He's met him next time. Didn't slap him on the shoulder and say it's okay because that wouldn't remove the picture. Jesus repainted the scene in John. He, he takes him to charcoal fire early morning again. refold confession again. Only two charcoal fires mentioned in the whole Bible, in the whole New Testament. One where Peter denied him. One where Jesus heals Peter of the denial. And so, and this time a little bit different. Mm. Instead of Peter weeping bitterly which means he didn't see Jesus's eyes of compassion saying you're forgiven. Not the first time around because he's not looking, he's weeping bitterly. And uh, so this time Jesus is saying, hey, I love you. Go feed the sheep. Go feed the sheep. Go feed the sheep. What do you mean go feed the sheep? Bench me for crying out loud. Look at the failure. I'm, I cursed and swore and said "I didn't even know you. He said, ah, oh, it's a learning curve mistake. You just learn not to trust the flesh. And that's great. That was one of the best lessons you're ever going to learn. So that was fascinating. That was, and when I journal, the Lord just laughs mm. at my Horrendous senses that oh, it's a learning curve mistake. And I'm scratching my head saying, Learning curve mistake. I mean, I don't think I ever heard a sermon on that, you know. And he's not <laughs> he's not offended in the least, but he's pretty thrilled because I just learned, you know, some stuff, you know. And and so he puts him right back in the ministry, right back in the front lines, because Jesus knows what I know, Jesus taught it to me too, that I'm most alive when the Spirit of God is flowing out through me, ministering life to. others in the way that God has designed me to minister. And I'm designed to be a teacher. So I'm on the front lines teaching in front of a group. I am more alive than at any other point in my life. And if if I'm sitting at home, I'm not anywhere near as alive as I am when I'm operating in my ministry gift and ministering the life of Jesus to another. So I'm not going to get healed by sitting alone. You know, I'm going to get healed by doing what I'm Called to do, destined to do, and the same for you. You know, don't go benched and don't say God can't use you. Just get out there and, and when you give your life away, you receive your life. Jesus clearly said, if you give your life, find your life. If you try to keep your life, you're gonna lose your life. So just give your give the spirit away. And as it as a spirit flows through you to another, it heals you on the way through. And you're back to where you want to be,
0: which is cool. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah, there's so much there in all that you said. And I uh I love that picture of Peter at the charcoal fire. That's where he where he denied Christ and then yeah, he uh he, he is reinstated at a charcoal fire. What how beautiful that that can be. Um so this uh, this incredible book. Uh, it um, you have more resources on this topic as well as this this great book that you wrote. Can you uh, describe a little bit of that? I think there's a you have a course online, a couple of courses yep. online, and a workbook that can go along with this process. That's
1: right. Yeah, and I'm sure you can put some links on, under the blog here or the podcast. But uh, we've mm-hmm. got a book. We have a book. We have a workbook. Um, we have an audio series. Uh, I think maybe twelve or thirteen sessions we have a video series, same 12 or 13 sessions. We have it as a, so you can just do it on your own that way or in a small group. It's always better to do stuff with somebody. So get a couple of friends, get your spouse, get a couple of friends, do it together. Uh, Cause one puts a thousand a flight, two puts 10,000. So you're 10 times more effective growing somebody else. I never grow alone. I always find somebody wants to grow with me in the same area. And so let's work together on this. We also have a, as a, level uh, college course on two level two different levels an electronic course in our school of the spirit um everything's downloadable all the resources um all the books all the resources online quizzes and the reason it's fun to take a quiz is that then you find out if you actually learn what you're supposed to learn you know because i mean i had one guy call me for counseling i said sure for a hundred dollars an hour we can counsel you and he said oh i took your course you know your online course and and it didn't work and i said well okay so Fine, just tell me, you know, when you run through this interview and you've seen what did Jesus actually say to you? After I asked him questions like that for two or three emails, he said, you know what? I think I should go back and redo the course because all he did was listen to the teaching. He didn't do any of the exercises. So, um, oh, wow. you know, if you don't do the exercises, it's in one ear and out the other. It's doing the work, you know. So, so we have it as two different level college courses one towards a degree and one towards a diploma one with Christian Leadership University towards a degree, and then one with CLU, School of the Spirit, which is towards a diploma. So it's uh, packaged all those different ways. Definitely recommend <laughs> you never grow alone. You always find somebody who wants to master the same skill you're trying to master. and say, let's team up for the next three months and let's grow together. And, and I have done that now for 40 years. And, it's the only way I grow because it's so much faster than growing alone. And I'm an efficiency expert. So I want to, I want to get there quicker if I possibly can.
0: <clears throat> <laughs> an efficiency expert. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. That is so true. So true. Well, Mark, uh, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I know it's going to be a great resource and, um, Uh, people are going to benefit from this in in huge ways. So thanks for joining us.
1: Michael, thank you so much for having me. Bless you.